Hello and welcome into another uh, episode of the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. I'm uh, Matt Vincent, uh, Editor-in-Chief of uh, Data Center Frontier, I'm here with my counterpart, uh, David Chernikoff, and we're here today with Holland Berry, uh, Field CTO of Sixterra. Um, welcome, Holland, and thank you for uh, agreeing to join us today. Matt, David, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. And it is something of an introduction to Sixterra. Um, Data Center Frontier, of course, has uh, covered uh, Sixterra widely uh, over the years, uh, but uh, but it is my first time interviewing uh, someone from Sixterra for Data Center Frontier. So that is uh, sort of a new thing. And uh, Holland, maybe you could just begin by giving us a little bit about your background and uh, your background with Sixterra. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in technology for a few decades now out here in the Silicon Valley. Uh, everything from IT management to um, infrastructure automation to, to cybersecurity, um, and now kind of back back in infrastructure land uh, on, on the data center side. And, and my, my function here at uh, Sixterra is, is largely around the technologies that we both implement internally and also the technologies that we deploy within the data center themselves to make sure that experience of being in the data center colo facility is uh, seamless, is uh, feels as much like cloud as it can in terms of the provisioning of services, how we bill for things, things like that. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of a lot of swim lanes underneath <laughs> those, but but generally speaking, you know, I'm a technologist at heart, and I just want to make sure that what we're building is is what's useful for the market to consume. Uh huh. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, we're going to definitely uh, cover uh, a recent announcement uh, between uh, Sixterra and uh, HPE. Um, but I wanted to uh, take you back. Uh, you know, we all read in the industry what NVIDIA's Jensen Huang said uh, recently about what AI is going to do inside the footprint of existing data centers. Um, I sort of wanted to ask you if you could shed some light on what the uh, Sixterra's six uh, vision is uh, overall for supporting uh, the rise of AI workloads in uh, data centers. Absolutely. Well, I think generally speaking, AI at scale is is very happy in, in data centers like ours and our, our peer facilities. There's a lot of benefits um, from a cost perspective, from a performance perspective to, to running AI uh, in a colo and in a data center. Some of the things that we're working on as a company to help make that experience uh, even better revolve around um, how we're implementing next generation cooling technologies, how we're augmenting our network to facilitate higher speeds, how we're being more efficient um, with uh, power designs and how we can accommodate higher density power designs, you know, for racks that are, you know, uh, filled up with GPUs that, that don't look like your typical uh, workload stack uh, for the enterprise. Um, and then how we, how we contemplate two uh, adjacencies as it relates to other venues where things, you know, parts of the AI process are happening, whether that be edge, whether that be in the public cloud, how do we make sure that we have the proper, I'll call it wide area networking and the network choices so people can accommodate whatever that use case and business outcome they're trying to achieve. Because we realize that not all the time the AI applications are residing solely in our facilities. There's other components to the stack 
So how do we make sure that, you know, from a network plumbing perspective and a network choice perspective, uh, we can help tie in those other pieces of the puzzle? Understood. Thanks for that. David, did you want to uh, jump in uh, uh, with anything? Oh. Yeah, it's, so, it's sort of jumping ahead a little bit ahead of the questions here, but um, I'm sure you noticed the announcement uh, two weeks ago from Digital Realty that said they were going to be adding uh, 70 kilowatt racks in 28 of their data centers. Are you going to make that kind of you know definitive statement relative to, not necessarily in this, in this podcast, but a definitive statement saying we're going to offer this in our facilities to our customers? Yeah, and you know there, there's there's a spectrum, right, in terms of power densities and the different ways that you can achieve those power densities. And I believe that uh, digital announcement was largely based on a rear door heat exchanger uh, design that did include, you know, water coming into those to to achieve that. We can certainly do that today. It's something that we have been able to support for a while. Um, I think the demand uh, has increased quite a bit, even over the last year, um, even just from an RFP perspective, we're just seeing more and more requests for this, this level of design. So I think they mentioned that they can do that in 28 markets. I, I think we can support that in around 18 of our markets right now. Um, so, so yeah, I, whether or not we'll make a big public announcement, um, I don't know, but I think we've already been talking about the fact, you know, with our customers and our partners and even through other media outlets, that this is a capability we're, we're, we're certainly on track with. All right, thank so, you. Ben. Thanks for that. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about cloud costs. Cloud costs are rising and, uh, oh, and tying in, of course, with uh, the recent uh, announcement between uh, Six Terra and, uh, HPE. How are how are collaborations uh, such as uh, that one addressing uh, that reality in in the cloud? So the why behind us working with partners like HPE and and us building out our digital exchange platform and you know having a home for a, a leg at least of a multi hybrid cloud strategy is largely around cost mitigation um, and performance enhancements. And there's a certain workload profile in public cloud when you when you reach a certain scale um, and you re reach a certain performance predictability where there's a lot of benefit to maybe doing an extraction and recalibrating that app to maybe run in a different venue like like ours. Um, the costs become extremely predictable, you know, with with us. There's no such thing as an egress fee, as an example, with us. Um, so especially those applications that have a large center of data gravity. Um, there's just a lot of benefit to, to, to run those things with us. And we're big proponents of leveraging public cloud for seasonal workloads, experimentation, maybe DevOps, things like that. There's some there's some really nice use cases. We personally use um, several public cloud providers and SaaS providers to do things that we're more than capable of utilizing our platform <laughs> to do. It's just, you know, there's a lot of benefits uh, uh, to, to the public cloud for a certain workload profile. And, and we certainly leverage that uh, those venues for, for that. Um, so HPE is, you know, one of the foundations of our bare metal uh, platform. We call it enterprise bare metal. And, you know, you can rent servers from us by the month in a flat uh, monthly OPEX model um, and, and really get control of those costs and have dedicated single tenant performance. And that's another key too. this is in the multi-tenant cloud that we're offering. It's, it very much feels like you built your own little data center. What we saved you is having to outlay the capital to procure the equipment, both the servers and the core networking. And you get to pay for it um, with OPEX dollars instead of CAPEX. So if those things are important to you, we're, we're, we're a great place to, to reach out to. Do you see customers uh, moving to the GreenLake solution and, and Sixterra due to a need to uh, repatriate 
cloud workloads to a now to a hybrid situation? That's one use case. I think there's another big use case too, where people are at an inflection point on doing a tech refresh, and that could be in their own data center at their campus HQ that they might be thinking about exiting. That could be in a colo environment with us where they're thinking about, hey, maybe maybe spending these dollars in an OpEx model is uh, is more beneficial to the business and it's going to make the CFO happy. So it's our job as a data center operator to present these choices and have optionality uh, with both from financing models perspectives and technologies. And so our partnership with HPE um, goes a long way to scratching a lot of itches in the industry. Uh, will you be a drop in into the Green Lake console for their for HPE customers? That's TBA uh, today. That's not something that, that we support. Uh, really, how we've partnered with HPE right now is a, a foundational financial vehicle for us to deploy and provision our bare metal uh, uh, compute nodes on, on our platform. Um, we certainly have instances of GreenLake running in our data center that's just leveraging Colo, and we're, we're super happy to operate in either one of those models. Again, back to that theme of optionality and choice. All right, thank you. Uh, Holland, uh, we wanted to ask you about uh, cooling uh, in the uh, six tera uh, data centers, um, particularly uh, in anticipation of uh, of 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 AI uh, developments, but uh, also um, just uh, what the uh, cooling uh, footprint uh, looks like for uh, your uh, traditional uh, computing. Is it um, you know, how much, what's the ratio of liquid cooling to uh, any other kind of cooling that six, six Terra might be employing? Yeah, absolutely. So we are definitely seeing an increase at large. I'm just going to put liquid cooling in a category, even though there's subdivisions, there's direct-to-chip, there's as many different ways you can achieve that. Uh, we're seeing more about immersion and surgical immersion. But I think in general, there's a theme of curiosity and there's and then there's uh, actual deployments that that we can reference that, that are leveraging you know water in some way shape or form as a cooling mechanism as opposed to air, um, and and so I I kind of look at it as power range chunks in terms of where those inflection points of a decision to be made on you know how am I going to cool down these servers and so it really depends on the composition of the data center how the air is being blown is it being contained or not but generally speaking you know you can work your way up to 20 in the 20s of kilowatts and, and probably blow enough cold air on an environment, um, especially utilizing concentrated containment and keep the servers happy and cold. Um, sometimes it's less in certain data centers. Again, there's all these different variables that, that can kind of dictate how effective air can be, but you certainly reach a ceiling with air. And then you have to start thinking about liquid and, and maybe popping off those heat sinks and, and running chips or running uh, water loops on those chips. Uh, we talked about the rear or heat exchangers. Those can certainly get you way up, you know, into that 780, 90 kilowatt range per rack in terms of the power envelope. And then you start running into some challenges with, with utilizing water. Um, and again, there's tons of variables, so I won't even like side a range, but this is where people are starting to think about, well, what, you know, when does immersion uh, start to take over? And it's certainly these super high power envelope designs where submerging the entire server or a part of it into liquid um, it becomes one of your only options to properly dissipate the heat. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago where taking the immersion approach, you, you started 
uh, risking warranty issues from the OEMs. They wouldn't support it, but it seems like more and more the OEMs are coming around to supporting these things, not having it void the warranty or the immersion vendor will say, hey, we'll warranty it if, if the OEM. So I think there's a lot more comfort in the exploration of utilizing these types of next-gen cooling technologies. We're not yet seeing it being deployed at scale, especially on the upper end of the enterprise, but certainly the curiosity is there and people wanting to do some tire kicking is there more so than we've ever seen. So I anticipate it, we're gonna start seeing it in production. Um, if I was to guess on a timeline, it's, it's, it's still probably in like that three year range, three to four year range. Um, but um, we're, we're, we're starting to see some very promising early adopters come into our data center leveraging this, this, this uh, technology that's really been around for decades, which I think now people are just getting the comfort to say, yeah, let's go ahead and implement it. That's a related question, um, and you may not be able to answer it. What kind of impact are you seeing on your planning stages for your future data centers relative to AI? higher power densities, that sort of thing, not just AI, but any higher power density solution. And um, your power purchase agreements, are, are you looking at uh, trying to get ahead of the curve for, for buying the next generation power needs? Yeah, I, I'm not sure what we disclosed publicly in terms of the power purchase agreements. I can tell you there is a mix though, for sure. So we do think about that in certain markets, especially ones that are that are volatile and ones that we perceive as, as volatile. In terms of the physical outfitting of data centers, you know, especially if we we're tasked to build a net new one today, certainly there would be a, a, a desire to have water pre-plumbed into them. We might have areas of slab to where we can um, comfortably uh, deal with the weight loads uh, of some of these immersion tanks. You know, some can be in many tons, right? So putting those on a raised floor without reinforcements can be an issue. They need to be tied down. So I think those are all things that we're considering when either we're building out a new module or retrofitting module in an existing data center or, or building out a net new one. Um, but, it, but I think David, to answer your question and not take the scenic route, it is absolutely a consideration. High performance computing and the provisions we need to have as a data center provider are, are top of mind as we th think about these designs. Just from the way you've been describing this, are you guys big proponents of the modular data center structure? Um, Unpack that for me a little bit. Well, the concept of, 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 of modular construction rather than uh, putting in 10 data halls and I'll fill them with whatever I need to sell to my customers, you know, that more modular approach to uh, not, not the container or the pods model, but but simply we have a standardized modular design for X and we're going to implement it in this in rehab of this data center kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. I think in certain markets that, that definitely makes sense and it really comes down to market dynamics, uh, you know, customers or, or anchor prospects that we have in flight, those all kind of dictate how that facility ultimately manifests. But yeah, certain, certain markets, that certainly makes sense. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for uh, all of that. Uh, good uh, technology, uh, barometric reading, and also uh, some real good uh, technical discussion. Um, I have another question here about um, the convergence of uh, the cloud and, uh, you know, basically about hybrid IT, you, you know, cloud versus on-premises needs and trends and uh, how uh, Six Terra sees itself fitting into uh, addressing uh, all the competitive demands, uh, you know, that go along with that uh, right, right up to power. 
Yeah, I, I think in general terms, we view ourselves as a piece of a, a multi-hybrid cloud, multi-venue strategy. We, we don't think we're the best thing for everything. We're very upfront with our customers and prospects as we're uncovering the types of workloads that they might be contemplating putting with, with us. Um, we, I know, I think we have a, a pretty big strike zone in terms of workloads that are happy with us, but we're also happy to say, hey, you know, just like we do, you know, we're leveraging AWS for this, we're leveraging Azure for that, we're leveraging, you know, SaaS services for CRM and, and other platforms um, because they're really good at these very specific things. Um, and so once we kind of do that unpacking um, and uh, the, the conversation with the customer and we'll say, hey, let's 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 look at this thing. And, and whether that's a net new deployment or whether they're looking to recalibrate what they're doing in public cloud, um, which we're getting more and more into that conversation. I know people are calling it repatriation. I like to call it recalibration because um, a lot of us were forced to do an overcorrection over in the public cloud, especially during the pandemic. And now that, you know, the costs usually aren't in line with what the forecasts were and the CFOs might have some questions about the infrastructure operators. Why are these bills so high? Um, so we're having a lot of cost centric conversations about how can we surgically pull back those workloads, those data sets, um, that are going to have a better performance profile and certainly more predictable cost profile in the data center. And uh, let, let's make sure they're, they're happy here and not to say, hey, let's, let's, let's move all these other things around. And I think just in general with how people have modularized their apps and uh, different ways people have made the act of running workloads in different venues easier from a networking perspective, from a VM or container or compute management perspective, people are getting a lot more comfortable saying, hey, let's leverage the strengths of these different venues and not have it to be one or the other or just all one. David, uh, any uh, follow-on uh, inquiry or point? Not specifically to that. Uh, as you look at as you look at your client needs, do you, do you see your clients running into, you mentioned this earlier before, do you see your clients running into, customers running into issues with um, egress fees and simply that type of expense in, in as they recalibrate, as you put it, their workloads? Egress is one, and I, th I think it's an easy one to pick on just because it's an easy one to, to understand. And I think there's been some high profile cases of, of people getting surprised. I mean, that can manifest in ways that people just didn't anticipate too. So there's the act of bringing you know, the data out of a public cloud uh, instance or, or storage volume. But then there's also the traversal of data going between different instance type, EBS to and from S3 as an example. Some of those motions of data can also count as egress. People didn't know it, they didn't anticipate it. And then I think in general, especially if people had to make a quick decision to go up to public cloud, they might not have contemplated all the supporting PaaS services it takes to truly bring that application to life load balancer fees, API fees, all these things. And so it gets to be a death by a thousand cut situation when that final bill comes in. Sometimes those final bills are hard to understand too, to see where the real problem children are. Um, so I, I think it's a collection of all those things that are driving people to have, again, a very cost-centric conversation about how might we replicate you know, the core functionality that we need back in a private cloud setting, You know, hopefully in one of our data centers, uh, um, that's that. That's really the impetus behind that that recalibration exercise. Are, are you getting a, a some fair percentage of customers who are in that? Uh, what's the public uh, the publicly capable way of saying this? Um, I need this. I, I should have done this yesterday. 
in terms of the, the, the suddenly realizing what the costs were like and the, and the impact on their business in terms of moving to a co-op facility type of thing? Uh, absolutely. A part of it is an awareness thing, understanding that, you know, we have a platform um, that you can build a private cloud and not have to go spend, you know, millions of dollars of CapEx getting the equipment. You can delegate the management of the core network to us, um, things like that. So they don't have to do a lot of retraining of, of their teams. Um, that, that's one big aspect of running in, in public cloud. You're largely ab abstracted from at least the underlay network. And when you come back to a private cloud setting, all of a sudden you need to have people who are familiar with programming switches and thinking about network topologies and spanning tree, all these concepts you don't really have to worry about in public cloud. So how can, how can you delegate to us or one of our ecosystem partners to abstract that level of complexity away so you can get back to the part that matters, which is the application layer. Um, so I don't know if that answers uh, your, your question, David, but um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of technology choices that we're having to implement to make that act of coming back or starting with us easier um, and not have it be ham building a whole data center from scratch. Thank you. Thanks for that. Um, we're coming to the end of our time. And uh, the question that I have left is really, uh, I think you've kind of covered the answer in uh, some of your earlier remarks, but at the time of the uh, announcement of the uh, new partnership with uh, HPE, I, I think I think I read in the statement that uh, uh, Sixterra is uh, anticipating uh, more of uh, such uh, collaborations, technology collaborations. I don't I don't expect you to get into the details of what that might be or with whom that might be, but. I was just wondering if you could, um, if you wanted to end on just uh, sort of like a statement of uh, of uh, of what that that kind of announcement uh, portends for the company's uh, strategy uh, going forward. Yeah, I, I think just in general terms, without getting into specifics and roadmaps, it's incumbent upon us to provide you know choices and, and solutions that make coming to a, a venue like ours and moving workloads to a venue like ours as easy as possible. And so that means having choices across compute, networking, storage, and security that help can help you achieve the end state of eventually getting your application live. And so uh, the announcement with HPE goes a long way structure to the software layer, to the services they can bring to the party. Um, it allows us to solution alongside our, our friends at HPE with the end customer, or if there's a partner involved to get to that end state and achieve those business outcomes that the ultimate end customer is looking to achieve. Um, so you can think about this as, as kind of like a, a foundational uh, relationship where there's a lot of different digital building blocks that we can snap together in creative ways to, to eventually build that multi-hybrid cloud reality that I think most of us are gonna be living in um, going forward.